0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Backyard Pet Talk with Shannon Riley.
1: Thank you, Emily, for coming back to our Puppy Podcast Bonanza that we're doing. Any of you who this is your first time listening to our Puppy Podcast, you will want to look back and see because we have been recording Puppy Podcasts since Emily, who's my one of my besties, had got a puppy, and so she had eight billion questions. And so we decided that it was beneficial to just do a podcast while she fired questions at me so that you all could benefit from her questions. So if you have missed any of them, we started off talking about how to choose a breeder, things to look at when you first bring a puppy home. We have talked about some socialization. We've talked about a lot of different things in some other podcasts. So if you have missed any, Definitely go back, but you don't have to go back to listen. You can pop in at any point because if you have a puppy, this is all relevant and it doesn't really matter where, or if you're thinking about getting a puppy, you may have to listen to some of these a couple of times. So you are welcome to stay if you haven't listened to any, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to the others. So thank you so much, Emily, for joining me again. And Teddy is growing and getting bigger and he's cute as anything. We'll have pictures and we're going to be showing some video clips as we produce this puppy podcast for you so you'll get to see who teddy is um, so emily has some questions for me yes so the sort of
0: theme of this round of questions is like the first couple weeks right so i brought home teddy about a week and a half ago so i have just been writing down all <laughs> of my questions as they come up like just the things that we've been dealing with in the first couple weeks and I want to start with schedule. You have drilled into me, thank you so much, that <laughs> puppies need to sleep 18 to 20 hours a day, or like in a 24-hour period. And so, how
1: do you set a schedule? How do you set a pop a potty schedule? And a schedule is super important. So, anybody who's a parent knows that kids thrive with consistency and schedules as well. As humans, in general, we do better with schedules. we're more productive when we have schedules we have in general have less stress unless our schedule is over the top but schedules are really important and they start to teach you a routine and help you learn things so having a puppy and and like Emily said, puppies need a lot of sleep because if you think about how much a puppy grows from birth to one year, it's equivalent to a human, from birth to 18 years because they're essentially adults at a year. So that's a lot of body changes. That's a lot of cell changes. I mean, literally puppies are growing right before your eyes. So our bodies need sleep to regenerate so that we can heal and grow new cells and be healthy. But puppies also need sleep because they get kind of cranky if they don't like a toddler who doesn't get a nap and they can have temper tantrums and they, that's a lot of times when they bite or they have zoomies or what I call puppy frenzies in the evening, um, because if they're so tired and they bite more, most of the time if somebody comes to me and says, my puppy nips me all the time. And I ask, well, when is it? Oh, usually after five o'clock. Uh, my first question is what's the sleep schedule always because 90% of the puppy biting situations resolve or improve if the puppy gets on a sleep schedule. um, Sometimes there's other factors that can call nip, cause nipping, but that's a big one. So when, and I think I've talked to some other people. So some of you who've listened to other of my podcasts, I think I've had this question from other people, but it's worth repeating because it's creating a schedule that works for you. For So like, you know, if you work a night shift, your schedule is going to be different than somebody who works a day shift. If you work... Uh, from home, your schedule might be slightly different than if you work away from home and if you have kids. So you have to make the schedule work for you because if it doesn't work for you, it's not going to work for the puppy. I always give people kind of the example of when I had puppies. Now my captain and scout are 11 or 14. So it was a while ago. So my kids were small and they slept in their crate next to my bed. So, and they would go to sleep somewhere around nine o'clock, usually maybe a little earlier, try to get them to bed around nine. And then because we were up by like seven say. So there's a nice good 10 hour sleep that a lot of puppies can handle. Some can't go quite that long if they're bladders, if they're smaller breeds, you might have to adjust that to them. You might have to let them go to bed a little later or have them potty, you know, at 10 or even wake them up and have them potty. You might have to adjust that nighttime schedule, depending on your puppy once they're up. So whatever time that is, and we'll just say for this say, you know, we'll say six o'clock because say we woke up at six and then I get up, I let my puppy out first thing to go potty, give them treats. Then while I'm getting, was getting my kids ready or while I'm getting ready, I give my puppies food toys, um, to eat their breakfast out of. So they could be in the backyard. They could be in a kitchen, a bathroom, not just free reign in the house. They could be in their X-pen if that's what you have, but they've already potted. And now they're going to play hopefully for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, depending how long it takes them to get the food out of the food toy, you're getting stuff done and they're preoccupied and they're using their brain and they're starting to, you know, wiggle a lot. Then I'm going to let my puppy out to potty. So now we're saying it's 630. I'm letting my potty puppy probably out to go potty again because they played and they might need to go to the bathroom again. And you can let them, you know, play in their X-Pen if you're too busy getting ready. Sometimes I did is have my puppies come in the bathroom with me while I was brushing my teeth. And so they were kind of playing with toys with me and then say, you know, maybe that was about an hour and a half to two hours, 738. I got to start getting ready to take the kids to school. So then puppy goes back into the crate. Now, for me, my kids were at that time preschool for for three hours. So I would sometimes drop them off, go run some errands. So now my puppy gets to sleep in a quiet environment, you know, for three to four hours, depending on the age and what the puppy's availability is. And then I come home with my kids and let puppy out first thing, potty, feed lunch in a food toy while my kids are getting, you know, lunch, puppy would be playing with food toy. Maybe I put my kids down to nap, do a little training with my puppy, play with my puppy, do a couple things. And then say it's about two o'clock now, you know, or maybe it's one o'clock. You know, it, it varies because some of the puppies will pass out after 30 minutes and some, you know, two hours. And then, but maybe they play for an hour and a half or you're playing fun. Then you put them back in a nap time, maybe we'll say two to six-ish. And, and like I said, this is all can change and vary depending on your schedule. Two to six, then at six o'clock, it's dinner time. Puppy goes out to potty. Maybe you've already made dinner. Kids have eaten dinner. So everybody kind of plays with puppy for a little, maybe an hour or two, depending how much they've had before. Giving puppy things like Kongs, if you're watching TV or you need them to be calm, but awake, a stuffed Kong or a Chewy, because they still want to be part of it, but they might be getting a little mouthy. And then it's time to start winding down, you know, for bed again. So it really depends on your schedule. If you at least get 18 hours, then that's them being awake for six. So, you know, that is an hour, maybe in the morning or an hour and a half, an hour and a half in the day, and maybe two or three hours in the evening. If And if they've slept all day, they won't be cranky. So it depends. I have some people who work out of the house. So they get up, say at six, get puppy out for an hour and a half. Then at 7.30, they got to put puppy in the crate and puppies in the crate for four hours. And then they come home at lunch. So they feed them, they play with them. And then they put them back in the crate for another four hours, come home. And then they have the evening. Believe it or not, sometimes those puppies do better than the people who have work from home, retired, homeschool, because the house is quiet. So there's nothing to wake them up when people come in and out of the house. And so then they sleep soundly. And then when they get up, they're better. And people sometimes think, oh, but they're home alone all the time. But if you have your crate in the kitchen or the living room and you work from home, you're a constant distraction. And when my kids were small, I used to tell people, you could see the playground in my backyard for my master bedroom. If I didn't have a babysitter and I wanted to lay down, I couldn't actually fall asleep. I always had one eye open watching mm-hmm. my kids. So I wasn't really taking a nap. But if I had a babysitter or they were at someone else's house, I could take a real nap. And there is a difference in our bodies when we have just a little cat nap versus a real nap. And especially as you're needing those sleeps, you know, when you're when you're healing or when you're Um, Like growing pains, you know, kids Mm -hmm. need to sleep more. They're learning more and more about teenagers needing more sleep than we actually give them opportunity for. So it's just figuring out your schedule and then trying to stick with it, making sure they're in a quiet place to sleep. Sometimes people who work from home go, oh, well, they fell asleep next to me when I was at the computer. And I say, okay, well, that's fine. But if you got up to go to the bathroom, did they wake up? And if they do, then that's not a sound sleep. Then they still need to be in the bedroom or a separate room so that they're not waking up every time you get up um, and, you know, and down. So we want it to be good sleep, not just like half sleep. The half sleep actually ends up making them sometimes more cranky because we're under the impression that they were sleeping, but they are still tired because they haven't really got a good nap. So, well, and this then feeding is- schedule helps with potty training. Cause if you feed, uh, you know, cause you feed and usually 30 minutes after eating, they have to go potty. You know, when they wake up from a nap, they have to go potty. If they're in a crate, when they sleep, they're going to be less likely to have an accident. They'll have to go potty. And then it gives you better opportunity to reward them for going potty in wherever you want them because you have a schedule. If you're all willy nilly, if those dogs also have a harder time potty training, because there's no routine, there's no schedule, there's no, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. So puppies need to go potty after sleep, after eating after playing and then usually about every two hours, but if they're sleeping, I don't worry about making them go out. And the older they get, the longer they can hold it. So if your puppy is two months old, so eight weeks, they should be able to be in a crate easily for three hours during the day. And some of them will sleep through the night so they can hold it longer. But in the daytime, they tend to have to go a little more because they're eating in the daytime, they're drinking in the daytime. So if they eat at like six, And then they're not going to eat again until six o'clock in the next morning. There's nothing going through their system, especially if you pull their water a couple hours before they go to sleep. You know, it's all just planning and it's a lot to plan. Sometimes some of my clients who struggle with this will actually write a schedule and put it on the refrigerator. They're struggling with potty training. They'll start writing like, okay, in the morning they peed and then they ate and then they pooped at this time just so they had the visual to help them. So, and when you know your dog, it helps. My dogs wake up first thing. My As adults, they go pee outside, they come and eat breakfast and they poop. And when it's been raining, if they don't want to go out, I don't let them come back in because I know they have to poop after they eat because that's what they do every single day. And I don't want it in the house. So yeah, so it's just routine. And then that will help them become healthy adults as well. Getting
0: a little webcam was such a good use of 50 bucks because you know we talked it's important to have like a dark place so you want maybe want to have a a blanket or, or a sheet or something over the kennel and so with this little webcam i can check in on teddy and make sure that he's sleeping soundly without disturbing him i downloaded a baby app a baby uh-huh. tracking app uh-huh. so that I could log his sleeps and his potties and his playtimes. So that was, has continues to be really helpful to me just to make sure that he's actually getting, because like, well, it's hard to track out. it because
1: you start to lose track. Like you're like, oh yeah, he slept. But then when you really think about it, it was only an hour, you know, but you, in your head, you think it's four or, you know, and the cameras are great because the other thing is, you need to be leaving puppies alone. They can't be with you all the time. They could develop separation anxiety. And separation anxiety is so hard to treat. So a camera allows you to go to the store without your puppy. and But you can keep an eye and make sure they're not panicking. A lot of my clients who have dogs with separation anxiety, I, that's one of the things they need to do is get a camera so that they can know if their dog's improving while they're left alone.
0: So Teddy is doing about an hour and 15 asleep and then about an hour and 15 awake and then he gets a little chompy and I Mm -hmm. put him back to bed so do you like that kind of cadence or do you want it bigger
1: he he may need to have longer sleep because if you think about an hour and 15 minutes that might end up being more than six hours awake so you'd have to look at how it looks you know but he sleeps almost 11 hours throughout the night so you get a big chunk at night but what also it's better if you can catch them before they get mouthy and bitey, because we also don't want them to learn that's how they play. So, you know, if you know, at an hour and 15 minutes, he starts to get really mouthy, then at an hour, it's a good time to start putting him in their crate, give them a Kong, give them something to chew before they start to spiral. So if you've ever been wired and tired, where you're, overtired, like you've gone over the tired mark, and now you almost can't sleep because you're agitated, but you're exhausted, but you can't sleep because your body is too stimulated. That's a really hard place to calm down from as a human. So as a dog coming down from that is really hard. And then they scream in their crate. And then there's all kinds of things, even like I'm a mom of three. Now they're teenagers, but I would no. Okay. I got to get home. I got to get my kid in a nap before they started having their temper tantrum because otherwise you're putting them in their crib and they're screaming for an hour before they fall asleep. Where if you can do something, you know, before they get to that place and then you give them a Kong or something to chew on or, you know, something that calms them. They also are learning how to fall asleep without having a temper tantrum first, because you do have to realize your, their, your dog's whole life, every moment is a teachable moment. And they are constantly learning. We are never not learning. We could be learning something about Zoom if Zoom shut down. You know, I mean, like we are always learning and always adapting to our environment and so are dogs. But when we learn bad habits, sometimes it's hard to, to break those. We've talked about COVID and, you know, a lot of us <laughs> during COVID, you know, we didn't get dressed, you know, we didn't exercise, we ate a lot of stuff. It's harder for us to break those habits now That maybe we had healthier habits before COVID because we just let it happen. And so with these, if he gets, if he learns that he plays until he gets feisty, then his play will become more feisty. And what he did right before he goes to sleep could stay in his brain more. There are studies showing that um, sleep after training helps them retain what they learned before. But what we don't talk about is naughty behavior before sleep could also potentially be retained because it's just learning. Just like they say, play after learning is really important. So like if you do a training session, you should play after and then let them sleep and then they have more retention. And like Emily knows this from my classes, but like if I'm teaching agility or if I'm teaching something, I want your dog to always end on a positive note. Mm -hmm. because that's the last thing they remember from their training session so if something bad happened then the next time you go to do sit and maybe you know they did something that scared them at sit they might be avoid sit because they don't want that to happen again so you know kind of thinking in that big picture of what do we want our puppy to behave like as adults obviously it's not going to be perfect because they're babies and they're going to make mistakes but It would be like us not learning how to stop before we get wired and tired. Like, you know, when we start to feel a little tired, we need to stop and take a break rather than pushing through all the time, because then we become into that habit. So you might need to get Teddy into little longer chunks of sleep, potentially, and a little shorter time of, you know, stop him an hour rather than hour 15 minutes. So,
0: yeah, well, and I've found, I've observed him too resisting sleep so I bet it's when he's crossed that that mm-hmm. line and so then you can watch him and his eyes close and then he's up and he chases a ball and then his eyes close and then he's up and he does some zoomies and so if he is creating a schedule of an hour and 15 and then he gets snappy cut it to an hour
1: because then- like just think we just went on a walk which no one else knows this but we walked and he was in his a front pack and it was a stimulating because there were dogs and people and he was looking around But when he was done with that walk, which was only about 30 minutes, because it's about all we had time for, he went into the car, he got his water, and then he passed out peacefully. And he wasn't physically challenged for that whole walk. It was just stimulation of watching. But you didn't try to like make him go play and do a bunch of stuff. You just had him like he was naturally falling asleep. He was naturally getting tired. And it was perfect for him to get a nap.
0: Well, and I just want to say, I feel insane when he is like perfectly lovely, just hanging out with me. And I'm like, I'm for a nap. I feel insane because I'm like, well, he's, he's fun. I want to hang out with him. Like, I don't want to put him away for a nap. So I just want to share my lived experience that (laughs) I feel like I got home, I Uh. took a potty, I put him straight upstairs. I felt insane because he yep. was just like prancing around. So, But did
1: he fall right to sleep?
0: Yes. Yep. Not, a single, <laughs> yeah. not a single peep. Also, everyone has a different opinion about what you should or shouldn't be doing. And mm-hmm. so I also just want to share. I say I'm doing a certain thing with my puppy. Someone is going to tell me a different way to do it.
1: Oh, for sure. Sh- yeah. Trainers all have different things. And something that's I'm finding unique about me that I didn't ever know until I'm starting to talk to people and their trainers is I'm always looking at the dog or the puppy and the person in front of me. So trainers are often taught, but they don't always listen to this, teach the dog that's in front of you. So my lab might be awesome on board today when he was young for agility, maybe tomorrow he's like, meh, sluggish. So I'm going to teach the dog I have in front of me today, but I'm also going to, for me as a trainer, I am teaching the person who's in front of me today. So if Emily comes to me and she's like, I really want to learn everything, you know, I'm going to give her like 20 exercises, but she may come to me and go, oh my God, Teddy has exhausted me. And I just need a tip for this one thing. I'm not going to give her 20 exercises in that moment. I'm going to say, what do we need to do right now to make you guys be better and Maybe I give you two or three tips and that's it. And I'm telling, answering Emily's questions in this podcast specifically, but I'm also trying to be a little bit general too, because what she works from home, her life is different than yours. If you are gone, you know, and she doesn't have children. So clients who have small children, I might have a different, you know, story about, okay, the kids, the puppy has to always be on leash when the kids are around and, or has to be an expat, expat. It also depends on the puppy. I have one yellow lab puppy that's currently in my puppy class that super hyper uses her mouth for everything. So that puppy, I tell them she needs to have something in her mouth when she's playing with other dogs because she nips everybody because she's trying to catch them. And I don't tell that to everybody. You know, when she's playing in puppy playtime, she has I have this big rubber bone that I found works the best. She carries it around and prances around. Then her play is appropriate and she's not learning how to nip everybody healers will have that problem. I might give you a different instruction based on your specific dog and the specific person. The client who's a super introvert doesn't really go on walks very much cuz she's got some health issues. So I'm not going to go tell her to walk her dog for 3 miles every day. I said, "Okay, let's do exercises. Up and have the puppy go up and down the stairs or, you know, play some games in the backyard or the food toys because there is no one size fits all in anything in our life, for me, for you, for puppies, everybody's Mm -hmm. an individual. And we have to honor that. That's where sometimes like a book might lead you astray. If you have the, if that book wasn't written for your type of dog, or that trainer is doing something and saying, this is how you have to do this. Well, what if that doesn't work for your dog or you, because there's so many different things. So I'm always looking at in positive force-free ways, how can I make it positive and force-free for both the human and the dog?
0: Because I work from home and I have a very flexible schedule and because I have the puppy cam, what that has resulted in is as soon as Teddy is awake, he woof-woofs and then I go get him. And mm-hmm. so I have not given him the opportunity to self-soothe in his crate and stay in longer and so please talk me through that because it's agonizing to
1: watch him woof woof and 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 cry a little bit you accidentally can be teaching them totally to bark to get you to let them out because exactly. releasing from the crate is a reinforcer you know and so making sure i think you and i talked about that he had a couple days ago a greenie in there that was left over from he had fallen asleep and had chewed it all So then he woke up kind of disoriented and then just chewed on the greenie because there was something available. If you know he doesn't need to go to the bathroom, because if it's only been an hour, you know he's not hungry. It's not feeding time. He's got a stuffed Kong. He's got something to chew on. Letting them cry for a a little bit, you know, you don't want them, you know, going hysterical because you want them to have a bad experience, but it's better to let them out when they're quiet than to let them out right after. So that might mean... If you're like, oh, it's you're just about to go get him, say it's like three hours and you're just about to go get him and he starts to bark, that might mean that you just wait five more minutes. And as soon as he stops barking for like a minute, yeah. then you go and get him. But if you rush in and save them as soon as they're crying, he learns, it's not stupid. Oh, if I bark, mom will come get me. And a lot of times puppies will wake up and kind of bark maybe they even heard something and they bark and then you leave them alone for 10 minutes and they fall right back to sleep
0: so he's asleep right now in Uh his kennel in my room so he's going to wake up in 45 minutes Uh and what you're saying is that i should just stay here
1: i should not he was down just about 30 minutes ago Mm -hmm. he drank potty when you got him home And he's obviously doesn't need to eat. And he had a big stimulating time. And then, so if he barks, you know, in 45 minutes, you just can sit and wait. And this is where the benefit of people who don't work from home, because they don't know the puppy woke up and barked. And then the puppy falls back asleep because there's nobody there, you know, taking him out of their crate. So let them wait, let him wait. If you have to go on a walk around the block, because, you know, a five minute walk around the block is not going to kill him. And then you saves your sanity because a lot of the things I do as a dog trainer is train the humans, some things that help them and walk around the block, you know, go do something else. And then if you come back, you'll be able to look at your camera to see, oh, he fell right back to sleep. Okay. Now I can go back to work. Or if he's still moving around, but he's not barking anymore. You can decide, well, if he has to go to the bathroom, maybe I go and take him out to go potty or if there's some other need. And the longer you have them, the easier that is, because the potty situation is the hardest because you don't always know. But dogs will learn to go potty on a routine sometimes that even if they don't have to go. And like my Jack Russell, when she was around four to six months, I started letting her sleep in the bed. And then every time I got up, she ran to go to the bathroom. So of course, as a puppy, I'm like, oh, I don't want to have an accident. Well, pretty soon it became a habit to have to go to the bathroom at four o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, wait a minute, if you're in your crate, you don't have to. So she had to go back to her crate for a little while. She's 11 now. And I noticed just in the last week, because I'll get up to go to the bathroom and if she wakes up when I go to the bathroom, she'll like run to the door. And I'm like, okay, it's four in the morning. You went, you don't need to go. And so just last night I went back to bed and mm-hmm. I was like, sorry, come back to bed. And she came back under the bed and club, climbed under the blankets and she didn't have to go. She just wanted to see what was outside. You know, she just woke up yeah. when I did. And was like, oh, well, let's go see what mom's doing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We are not getting into that habit. Yeah. So you have to be really careful about that.
0: How long is too long? So, you know, puppy wakes up. If, If they're still fussing after 10 minutes, do you break down and go
1: get them? Well, it also depends how long you've done it before. So if you've been, you know, saving them, if you've tried to wait five minutes and then you have to wait a little bit longer. And if they've only been sleeping for 45 minutes to an hour, that's where you go and you go for a walk or you go somewhere because the biggest problem with crates is people let them, you know, out. So like sometimes we'll have a puppy board with me. Who's like kind of new and they've played, they've potted, they've eaten. Like I know all their needs are met and they cry when they first go in the crate, you know, they've got a stuffed Kong. They've got everything they need. I'm just like, all right, I just got to wait till you fall asleep because I know all your needs are met. It's just that, right. You don't want to go to sleep right now, and then they'll fall asleep. And then what happens if they stay with me for a couple of days, say they're here overnight? I have so many clients who're like, "Oh my gosh, they sleep all through the night now in the crate." And it's like because I didn't go and save them every time. As long as I knew their needs were met, then we were okay, you know. And you're gonna sometimes make mistakes. Sometimes there might be an accident, or there might be something. But as long as, if it happens once, it's not the end of the world. Because sometimes this will happen with dogs like it happens with mine sometimes if it's hot and they drink a ton right before we go to bed and I don't recognize that they drank a ton and then they're crying and I'm like why and then I go "Oh, they ate, they drank too much at 10 o'clock at night and now they have to go to the bathroom so sometimes things are going to be out of sync but you just try the best you can but you're never going to be perfect
0: yeah okay here we go I'm gonna try it uh, <laughs> My last, I think, crate question is crate cover. So I originally had a towel over his crate and I have a wire crate. So it's important that I really cover it, but it got hot in there. So now I have just like a bed
1: sheet, but what Mm -hmm. do you recommend for a crate cover? Yeah, and it's so funny because the wire crates are hard sometimes to cover because puppies will chew them and pull them through. So I have some clients who have to use cardboard and to cover them so that's why a lot of times if people have a choice I recommend I I find that a lot of dogs like the plastic crates better anyway because it's there's more less visual for them you know they feel a little more like they're in a den there are dogs who don't mind the, the wire crate but in general but if, so if you have a plastic one you really only have to cover the front because you can leave those side vents yeah a little bit more open if it's in a dark room sometimes you don't even have to cover a A plastic crate because they are covered on all the sides. But for the wire crate, sometimes I'll use like a sheet. If I can, if I have the crate against a wall, I can keep a little space between the wall and the crate and that side. Maybe I don't put any sheet on because then there's a little bit of airflow in there. Some people do get dog beds. If your puppy doesn't chew up the bed, that is like a cold water running through some fancy stuff. Sometimes people put fans. It just depends on your climate. Upstairs where your room is, it's going to get warmer because it's upstairs. But like my current house now, like it stays pretty cool in general. So even if they're covered, it's not too bad unless the dog is like really anxious and panting or something like that. But And you have to remember their temperature, their normal temperature is 100... 101 to 102 you know it's warmer than us yeah it might not feel as warm to them as it does to you and it also depends on your breed like if they have short hair it's different than long hair there's a lot of those things okay um my next set of
0: questions is about playing what is an alpha roll, and how do I make sure I'm not doing it with my puppy? Because I know I'm not supposed to alpha roll, but like uh-huh. I'll roll him over and rub his belly and like push him on the hardwood floor
1: with his feet and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God, am I alpha rolling my sweet teddy boy? <laughs> alpha rolls are from old school traditional dominance based training, and it's supposed to mimic a dog being rolled on their back. Like another dog would roll them out and then they're in the submissive position and then it theoretically, and a a dog could bite their neck because now their neck is vulnerable and their jugular and stuff. So when you're doing an alpha roll, it's very intentional. It's very aggressive. It's very much your dog does something you don't like. They nip you or they do whatever, I don't know, something. And they, a person would pin them on the ground, like slam them to their back, pin them down, some traditional trainers will tell you to growl in their face. If they bit you, bite your, their ear, bite their neck, hold them down until like they submit to you, which means they relax. But a lot of times it just scares them. So they fight back and then if they fight back. You're supposed to be more aggressive. And some will tell you to yell in their face, no, or whatever. Like it's very aggressive and it's so- very intentional. And it's very much like, I'm going to hurt you. But cooperative care in a more positive force free training, we do want to teach our puppies and our dogs to be comfortable on their backs because they might need x-rays or so we can check their bellies. But that's a more loving, caring, somewhat voluntarily, you know, rolling on their back, like when they're playing or you're luring them. Or if you kind of flip them on their back and hold them like cradle, like a baby, or if you're sitting on the floor and you put their head like in your lap and then they're sitting between your legs. It's very different than if you are you know really intentionally trying to scare them and make them feel like you're their alpha.
0: Well, and this is just an insight into my ang- my level of anxiety. So what I'm hearing is you can't accidentally alpha roll
1: <laughs> your puppy. No, no, if you're playing Like with it's them, a very And because aggressive. you're going to be reading their body language, if I have a couple dogs I'm working with right now that we're trying to teach to roll over for their back for cooperative care, because they're going to get surgery. We need to be able to check their incision and they don't like to be on their back. So we've been working on teaching them roll over and really playful things, but we've been doing it, you know, playful. If your dog shows fear when you are trying to roll them over, then stop and slow down and teach them and make it comfortable instead of forcing them through it. So it'd be really hard for you to intentionally alpha roll a dog because it's usually a lot of anger or frustration that's behind it too because yes. they did something you don't like it, and by oh. the way just to make sure it doesn't teach them anything except to be afraid of you so it's love not it. recommended sure. by any oh, by sure. any way yeah
0: awesome tug of war should i play tug of war should i not play tug of war this is like, it-
1: these questions go into my should my dog sleep on my bed should my dog be on the couch should i for some dogs tug war is the best exercise it's the best stress relief they love it love it love it if it's manageable and controlled and they don't turn ugly and like want to attack you if you can trade them for the toy it can be a amazing exercise and super fun just like jumping on the bed dogs can be on the bed in my opinion if you want them on the bed as long as they're not growling at you trying to bite you when you Mm -hmm. get on the bed or the couch but with tug of war it is funny because in the 90s and you know when i a long time ago it was like oh never teach a dog to tug of war because they might become aggressive they're just playing as long as they're playing. I mean, it's just like somebody does kickboxing as an exercise. doesn't mean they're going to go out and like kickbox every person that they see. It's not their intention. So when you're tug of warring and you're playing, it's just a play. As long as you can take it away. If a dog gets overstimulated, then you have to manage it a little bit, or you might not, but people would say like, oh, pit bulls should never play tug of war or whatever. And because they're, you know, it's teaching them how to to shake and stuff and it's like they already know that and Mm -hmm. it's just letting them be in a playful way
0: this is probably from when i got scooter 10 years ago but i think i read something like if you do play tug of war
1: then quote unquote never let the puppy win (laughs) oh yeah that's that's part of that whole dominance kind of thing where, you know, as long as you can let that, they can drop it. You want to be able to have them drop it because it also teaches them drop it for other things. And if you're trading them for high value treat, when they drop it and then giving it back, it actually teaches them drop it. Great. If you and I are playing a game and you always win, I'm not going to want to play with you anymore because it's not fun anymore. So you'll notice a lot of times if a puppy's healthy about it, you know, you drop it and they, they quote unquote win. And then they're like, Hey, They bring the toy back to you. Hey, pull this again. Don't let go. Let's play some more. It's not like they're trying to get it away from you. It's their way of playing. One thing I will say is some dogs really love it. And you do have to make sure that just like running a puppy for too long or, you know, you don't want to have puppies run miles and miles because of their joints. And they can get injury if they tug war too much, too much of a good thing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And some dogs don't have any interest in tug war at all. Mm -hmm. And some dogs really love it. Can Puppies differentiate. So, for example,
0: I do not want Teddy to chew up my socks. But could I give Teddy a sock to play with, and Teddy understands that that's his sock that he gets to play with, and then he won't play with my actual socks?
1: That can be a little socks can be a little confusing because there's so many and different things. They can learn with time. They can learn like this is my stuffed animal and this is the kid's stuffed animal because of the smell and stuff on it. And potentially if you had a sock that you had put like, you know, things in, but you have to be careful with socks anyway, especially with a Labrador since Teddy is a Labrador. Socks are like slippery little oysters that go down their necks really easily. And so when you have that slippery little oyster going down their neck, you could end up with foreign body really easily. So you have to be careful with socks in general as a toy. But if you were using it like like something as a rope toy or a tug, it might be, you know, something, but you have to be careful with socks because they get it confused and you don't want them to have it be a habit that they are always chewing on. So it's better to have things that are a little different than texture is a big thing. As they get older, they can definitely differentiate. But when they're puppies, they just pick up everything with their mouth. Like babies just pick up everything and stick them in their mouth
0: well and so my it's so cute my parents flew in to to meet teddy while he was still teeny tiny and my dad was letting him like sort of chew on his fingers and, and almost like playing tug of war with teddy with his fingers mm-hmm. and I'm and i was like don't do that because i don't want teddy to bite Me. I don't care if you don't care. I don't like it. So in that situation,
1: like, Oh, for sure. When you go and you're teaching your dog or your puppy not to jump. And this is something a lot of people have their pet peeves about with, they'll go like, Oh, I don't want my dog, you know, jumping on people. But every time I go on a walk, people like, Oh, I don't mind. I don't mind. Well, they're teaching them that every time they see a stranger, it's okay to jump. So it's really important. I tell people with kids, You know, because kids will start getting nipped on because they play with their hands too much. This seems to be kids and men. I don't know why it's the husbands that are always the wrestlers. And then the puppies are like biting. And the wife will be like, oh, my God, he wrestles with his hands all the time. And now the puppy bites everybody because they're learning. And Mm -hmm. like I said at the beginning, we're always teaching. So if we don't want them to do something in the long run. We need to not do it. You know, if you want to play wrestle, then use a tug toy. That's, you know, their tug toy. They'll start to learn like favorite toys. Oh, this is the one that they tug with and they'll bring it to you. Or this is the one I want you to throw. When Captain was young and we'd go to the lake, he had, we call it his splashy. And they were very specific toys that floated, Kong toys that floated in the water. And I had two or three because he had them unsupervised. He destroyed them. And so I could keep them, but I had to have at least two so that I could throw one in and he would drop one and we just kept a rotation, but he only got splashed at a lake and he knew what it was as soon as it came out, even if he didn't see it any other time. And occasionally if I wanted him to play and we weren't at a lake, I could bring it out and have him fetch it. And he knew that was the toy he went to go get because it was the one he was learned how to go swim after or go fetch. So they can learn their specific toys. And like border collies are known to like learn the names of blue ball, green ball, red ball. That just takes a lot of work. So not every pet owner wants to do that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So don't, just don't do, don't allow the things no matter what circumstances, if it's not something you want long-term, you've got a very long life with your dog to differentiate, to have them learn how to differentiate. But when they're a puppy, it's not the time. Exactly. My friend, Shannon. Why is Teddy humping? Why? why? So he humps what is he toys. humping? Yeah, so, is he, he? so he humps his toys. So like he's got a couple like longer fuzzy toys. Like he's got mm-hmm. a, a long snake with squeakies in it. So it seems like when he's running around with those, if if like the snake is under his body,
1: then uh-huh. he's going to hump it. Puppies will hump each other. They'll hump toys. It's just experimenting because they have all these different things. It's not anything about dominance because that's what people think. It has nothing to do with sexual behavior because his testosterone not at that level at all. It's just a, hey, how does this work? It's kind of like when little baby boys play with their baby part. You know, I mean, they just, it's exploring, it's experimenting. It doesn't mean anything. It can become a habit sometimes. So like it's a, a toy will become the toy that they just learned, that's what they're supposed to do it with. And then you sometimes have to remove that toy. You can redirect them so that they don't get into the habit of doing it. But in some, I see some dogs do it and not necessarily puppies, but if they've done it as a puppy, I'll see them do it when they get anxious, it becomes mm-hmm. an anxious, like a, like they'll hump their da- their owner's leg. When something kind of anxious happens, they'll hold on to their leg. And so sometimes I see that in an anxious dog, like as a, Oh, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know what to do. So it's like a habit they fall back on. Maybe there's a little calming and coping in it. You know, who knows? Kind of like us twirling our hair or biting our nails or doing some other nervous habit. But in puppies, it's just all like exploring stuff. And it's just, they'll do it a lot in playtime because they're like, oh, what do I do? But you know, it's not anything sexual and it's not dominance either. It's just exploring.
0: Teddy loves to eat plants in my Mm -hmm. backyard. I have Googled all the plants The I have like a ton of nasturtiums, which are like a, an edible plant that like people eat in salads and stuff. It's not, it's not poisonous. He, he just loves picking
1: off a leaf and prancing around with it. Is that something that I should stop? If him you doing? don't want him to do it again as an adult, like where sure. you don't want him getting into the garden and stuff, it's better to block them from those things. It's just like all people who have puppies who chew on bark and maybe, or carry the bark around. Well, they don't want bark in their house all the time. So then it's, again, preventing access so they can't get to it, redirecting and supervising. Yeah, because all those things will, can become long-term habits. And if you don't want him digging in your garden, you know, it's better just to have him learn now. So it's easier to prevent a problem than to try to change it later. Got it. Awesome.
0: My little teddy bear's toenails are so sharp so Mm -hmm. so so sharp I have one of those dremels and Mm -hmm. and he's a black lab so his toenails are black so I'm especially scared to use the the clippers as as a single person so I don't have a second person Mm -hmm. to feed treats while I introduce him to the dremel so a he's going to be 10 weeks old tomorrow is it too early to introduce him to the dremel and then b when I do introduce him
1: how do I do it You can start introducing them right away. Some people will even teach. And this is what I'm going to do with my next puppy I think is teach them how to use a scratch board so that they can learn to scratch on it. But that's a whole, you know, longer series that we can't, don't have time to go into today. But you can teach them how to go on a scratch board so then you don't have to worry about it. The Dremel has lots of pieces. So there's a sound and there's a feeling and stuff. So what you could do with Teddy now is like let him get used to the sound of the Dremel while you give him some, you know, while he's on his licky mat. Or while he's taking a calm, you know, here's a Dremel, make him so he doesn't even care about the sound anymore, it gets closer to him, then without the sound being on, you know, touch the Dremel to all of his toes. But in the meantime, you could get like acrylic fingernail, like just a nail file for acrylic nails, you know, the thicker one, and start just doing even a one or two nails and then letting him have a break one or two nails. And then maybe later or the next day you go. And so each day you're doing one or two nails and then you get in a rotation and then his nails stay smaller until he's more used to the Dremel. You can think you have somebody help you, but you can also start teaching him like when he's standing, you sit next to him and he could be licking the licky mat and, or when he lays down, licking his, like how he drinks his water when he lays down, you know, and then get the Dremel where you just touch each one. But my Jack Russell, I can sit her in my lap. Her back is to my chest and she sits with her feet forward and I can just trim, 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 trim by myself. And she just sits there. And when I first started, I gave her treats in between or I had somebody else give her treats, but she doesn't really care. But you can practice by having them sit and then just even giving um a treat while you're touching their feet and then filing but like when he's kind of sleepy you can put him in his lap and just file a couple toenails too but like, you can get those acrylic just regular files and get that started
0: what's the number one mistake that you see with baby puppies
1: Usually probably not letting them sleep enough, like what we talked about at the beginning. That's usually the question because they start getting mouthy and bitey and they're not pleasant to be around and they don't like them anymore and not creating that schedule. Super important. I think it's one of the first things that, you know, I usually have to tell people is, you know, create that schedule because then that makes everything else easier. yeah and
0: and just because we've been besties for 10 years I'm gonna give my own answer which is the social socialization piece and I gotta tell you it is a lot of work and so the idea is you I'm trying to introduce Teddy to a new person a new place or a new thing every Every day day. and that takes time it takes oh, totally. creativity it takes the participation of my friends and
1: colleagues I'm um, having a puppy people think getting a puppy oh it's so easy I tell people having a puppy is like having a newborn baby the only benefit is you don't have to get a babysitter if you need to go to the grocery store you can leave them in the crate for you know a couple hours while you go but it is just as much work as a newborn baby and you have a short amount of time to influence them as adults so it is that first you know six months To the year is really a lot of work of doing it. Remind me, what is the socialization period? In general, birth I always say just birth because it could be three weeks, whatever, to about four months is the socialization period. That's when you want them exposed to as many things as possible and they're going to have the least amount of time of being fearful. But then the next period is their fear period, which there's one that's approximately between four and six months, because I always say puppies don't read books, so it can range. And then another one between eight and 10 months to a year. So basically, I tell people the first four months, you know, you want to expose them to as much as possible. And then the rest of the year, you still want to expose them, but you have to be extra careful that nothing scary happens. So basically for the first year, you want to try to make sure as little scary happens as possible, but you expose them to as much as possible. So, but it's really critical that they get as much as possible before months, four months, which means it's before their vaccines. So you have to be creative about having people come over, taking them in a wagon, um, take them in a backpack, taking them places that they're not going to be exposed to Parvo.
0: Yeah. And I got to say, man, they're is nothing more fun than going to a, a outdoor restaurant <laughs> with a puppy in a backpack. I call Teddy the Mayor of where <laughs> he becomes the mayor of wherever we go and I have to tell you it, it brings me so much happiness it's like constant. To have people come and like they make these cute little Google eyes at me and then I say you can pet him if you want and they there it makes their people have told me this is the best part of their entire day. And yeah. so yeah. I really as a human actually got a lot of joy being able to bring him into the world in a safe way and and being able to share him because he's yeah. so cute and fuzzy and you no, know it, people- and it's
1: super just important just to get him you know out in the world so check out all of our podcasts and we will have another puppy podcast soon all
0: right thanks all right
1: bye, bye.